This is The Blueprint, brought to you by Executive Platforms. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Executive Platforms Blueprint podcast series. My name is Jeff Mix. I'm head of content and research with Executive Platforms, and uh, I'm joined today by William Sunblad. Uh, he's uh, one of the uh, co-founders and I believe CEO of Odin Technologies, which is one of the great organizations out there leading the way in pooling data and making the digital revolution make sense. Uh, I've had the pleasure of speaking with uh, Willem before, although not in a podcast format. So I'm excited to have this conversation today. Uh, Willem, thank you so much for joining me. Jeff, thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to it. What does Odin Technologies do? Well, we help manufacturers capture their data, make it useful, accessible, and accurate. And then on top of that, we help them with guided analytics, predictive analytics, and prescriptive analytics, all in the name of trying to make sure that their people are as effective as possible with their time. Because a lot of this comes down to how can you increase your speed of problem solving so that you can make more, waste less, and innovate faster. You gave a presentation at Names 21 about the importance of an accurate foundational data set in getting fast ROI from a digital transformation. Can you give us a quick overview of what you shared with the audience? Absolutely. And I think it comes down to you know, the, the real levers of a manufacturer's transformation really is their time, their data, and their people. And in order to make sure that you can have an increased speed of problem solving, you first really need to start with that foundational data set. And it needs to be accessible, useful, and accurate. And it's hard because you've got you know, time series data that's coming from one system, uh, but the time series data in of itself isn't that useful. You need context to that time series data. Like what product was I making at that time? Who was there at that time? What material from what supplier was I using at that time? You know, was there a quality defect? which type, for how long. All of this, these different intervals of time, they're coming from other systems. And so integrating those two different things, so both the time series data and the intervals is tricky, just from like an architectural standpoint, but then it's extra hard because there are usually inaccuracies there. So that's where we can use machine learning to fix those inaccuracies. A common statement in manufacturing is garbage in, garbage out when it comes to data, but it doesn't have to be. These are things that can be solved. And so I think that's really where a lot of people get tripped up on. And if you wanna move forward with data, the last thing you wanna do is have mistrust in data. You don't wanna have arguments about you know, what actually happened. You wanna agree on a kind of single source of truth that you can move forward with. And I guess that pivots into the next logical question. Uh, in your experience, why do so many companies struggle to collect the information in one common place? I think it is, it is inherently difficult because the manuf- in order to solve the manufacturing operations problems, there are many different systems. It's naturally an ecosystem of solutions. You know, you've got a maintenance system, you've got a quality system, you've got an ERP system, an MES system. What takes precedent? And I mean, in a lot of cases, what people think of as the source of truth is the ERP. But ERP is really expensive and difficult to deal with. And especially it's not really set up to do this type of analytics. So you need something that actually glues it all together that people can work with, that is easy to work with, 
and that can scale and not be an inhibitor to your speed of deployment, speed of scale, and again, speed of problem solving. So we haven't, you know, up until now, we've built these big, almost monolithic platforms for different use cases. But when we're talking about really transforming manufacturing, it spans departments or it spans systems because you need that holistic view in order to really make more with less and solve these problems. So you need to have that holistic view, you need to have the appropriate architecture, and especially you need to have you know, the right people in the room to figure out where to focus. So what do you recommend when your clients are looking to overcome these kinds of challenges? So I think the a really important first step is to make sure that you've got you know, the right problem that you're trying to solve. It has to be an important business challenge. I'm sure for a lot of manufacturers right now, it's about increasing capacity or increasing output because a lot of people are suffering from increased demand or maybe it's solving supply chain disruptions that are currently going on as well. But there's gotta be a guiding light of how is this gonna make money for me at the end of the day. On top of that, I think it's also important to look at it from a organizational level. What does this look like when we have all of our factories deployed? Because it has to be something that can scale, both in terms of cost and in terms of deployment time. And it has to be something that gives time back to your people. You can't take time away from them because they're busy as it is, because there's workforce shortages going on. So I think you know, having at least an idea of what the future looks like, having a very clear idea of why you're doing it in the first place, and the rest starts to trickle down from that. You know, it seems like the digital revolution has been the hot topic in manufacturing for a number of years now. And certainly there are some of the early adapters. They're really seeing transformation of their capabilities and operations. Can you give us one or two success stories to illustrate how Industry 4.0 is changing the way things are made? Yeah, and I think the interesting thing about kind of the evolution that we've seen over the past couple of years, I think before COVID, it was certainly something that not everyone was leaning into or leaning into heavily. I think the people that had leaned into it heavily were way more well equipped to be agile in the response to limiting the amount of people on the factory floor or agile in the response to supply chain disruptions and also increases in demand. You know, increasing your problem solving speed means that your team will be more resilient, agile and competitive for today's problems and for the future problems that we don't know about yet. So, I mean, I, I like to think of People think of analytics as a nice to have. It's an additive that can help you make more money. But at the end of the day, it's when you have the need to have problems like supply chain disruptions, you know, increased demand, workforce shortages. That's when it really saves you because that's when your people can move faster and solve problems faster. So we've had tons of examples right now in this you know, capacity crunch where customers have increased their output of key products with 10 to 15%, just because their team has been able to solve these critical bottlenecks, solve these process challenges to really just serve their customers better. But it usually comes down to solving their customer problems faster to increase output and solve quality constraints. Now you mentioned COVID-19 and I, completely understand, you know, for digital revolution people, this has been, you know, it's made believers out of the doubters. Uh, it has changed perceptions for a lot of companies where this 
used to be a nice to have or something we're starting. Now there's a lot of emphasis. Now there's a lot of we need to get on this. Can you expand upon that point? Yeah, happy to. And I mean, we've certainly seen the people that had leaned into it. They were faster to respond. They were more agile and competitive in solving some of these critical challenges. I mean, if you're going to limit the amount of people on the factory floor, and you're going to limit the people who can go to the factory, you need to be able to collaborate and work and solve problems without being face-to-face. -face. It's just very simple. And you have a lot of technologies that before, I think were seen as gadgets or nice-to-haves, like for new equipment, you know, commissioning through augmented reality and virtual reality. That's how business was done in the last year. And before, it was something that people showed as a cool thing that this may happen in the future. And so it certainly has been a catalyst for a lot of real change in the industry. But I think the biggest change that I've seen is that before you could see digital transformation being something that was driven by individual champions within businesses who saw an opportunity to really change their business. Now we're seeing it as a board led initiative all over the place because the board is now asking the management teams, what is our digital strategy? And if you're in 2021 and you don't really have a digital strategy of how you're going to be relevant, resilient, and agile in the future, I think everyone's making a mistake. You know, and you mentioned teams in there, and I thought that was important. You know, when I talk about technological transformation, I also want to talk about the people involved in that transformation. Can you talk a little about how IIoT is changing people's working lives? You know, what is their typical reaction when these new tools and technologies come into an existing operation? And how does people's perception of it change over time? Yeah, I think the, we often see that you know, once people are you know, engaged with these types of tools, they quickly remember problems that they had in the past and think about if only I had this then, that headache wouldn't have been so bad. Um, you can usually find, you know, people get more time back because they can spend their time solving, you know, high value problems instead of spending time doing non-value added tasks. I mean, it's a very simple lean principle that I think fits perfectly into this idea of lean plus digital. Uh, when it comes to the people involved, I've also seen a change in the role of the CIO I think the CIO has grown in importance in terms of really charting the direction for the company and kind of spearheading this transformation, but it's still really the COO who needs to set the standard of where they're going, because usually the CEO is where the rubber meets the road in terms of engagement, change management, and making sure that people are, are making bold moves. So I think there are a lot of critical players in this whole transformation across the organization. So really the alignment from top down on why you're doing it in the first place, who's gonna be involved and how do we equip them with the tools to be the best selves at work is really kind of the guiding light for all the best performing teams. I feel a lot of people in the manufacturing space understand digital tools are coming and there is a, a natural conservatism. What they've been doing works, they understand it, they're comfortable with it and probably someone assigns them, hey, this is happening, you need to come up to speed. And it, it can seem daunting. I mean, there's a lot of information to understand. You don't want to buy something expensive that doesn't work. What do you say to people like that when you're talking about these tools? 
it's a great question because I do think that there's a lot of inhibitors um, in manufacturing in terms of the history. I think a lot of people spent a lot of money, a lot of time and a lot of pain in doing ERP rollouts and integrations. So they assume that new digital tools will be more expensive and take longer than advertised because that's what happened with ERP. It's not necessarily true anymore, but that is a challenge that needs to be overcome because the time to value, time to deploy and the time to engage your people is you know, night and day difference. But that is still a perception that needs to be overcome. I think the other piece is, um, you know, there are a lot of competing priorities, and the easiest answer is always no. Because if you say no, you don't have to do another thing, and that's great because your plate's already full. <laughs> so it comes down to: is this one of your top three things as an organization? Or maybe said in a different way: when is this going to be? one of the top three things for your organization. Because how are your competitors reacting to this? Are you gonna be a first mover? Or are you gonna be last? And I think that the results from a lot of these digital transformations are very clear, at least in our experience, that if you're not moving ahead, you are continuously falling behind your competitors because the ones that are moving ahead, they can solve more problems faster than you, which means that the distance between you and the competitor that's moving forward is only gonna increase. You know, we've covered a lot of ground here. Could you give us one or two key takeaways you want manufacturing executives to think about further after hearing this interview? I think the, some of the key takeaways is that time to deployment, time to value, and the time required by your teams to make something happen is drastically different from things that you may have seen in the past. And the critical thing is to figure out how do you align the business goals with the enabling technologies so that you can do a proof of value, proof of scale, and then actually scale quickly. Because the value really comes when you're you know, not one pilot in or not one factory in but when you have crossed you know, 50% of your factories or 75% of your factories, because then your teams have a common way of working and solving problems that are faster than what they did before. And especially you have the compounding effect of both the data that's being gathered and the time saved by people, which will just make you a more fast moving organization. All right, again, a lot of information to cover and, and clearly you know, you, you know it backwards and forwards and engage with a lot of people on this topic. If people who have been listening to this want to get in touch with Odin Technologies to learn more, ask some questions, what's the best way to get in touch? Well, there's obviously our website, www.odin.io, and you can reach out through there, but also happy to reach out to me directly, willem at odin.io, very simple email address. Shoot your questions over to me and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Well, I, I really appreciate you making that offer. I, I can say I've had some conversations with you, uh, oh, I guess going all the way back to 2018 about this topic. And you know, if I know anything about digital transformation, it's because you've made it make sense to me. So I encourage everyone who's listened, uh, you know, if you do want to reach out to uh, Odin Technologies, I know they're a wealth of knowledge and resources and they can speak data scientists to the non-data scientists, which I think sometimes is a real asset. Uh, Willem, thank you again so much for your time today. 
Well, thank you for the kind words, Jeff, and thanks for having me. All right, you've been listening to another episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint podcast series. Thank you so much for joining us and let's do it again soon.